We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. So the LA Rams will be the number two seed. They finished 13 and 3, a 13 win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. And so have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man go dominate. Boys, offense, defense, special team. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek Schiappold, my co-host in crime, Michael Stewart, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back. And I got to tell you, folks, he's looking rather spiffy today, like really spiffy, because he's wearing his gear as the head coach of the Bakersfield Drillers. And say, let me say it again, just because it sounds good. The Bakersfield Drillers, all dressed up and ready to go. Man, you look you look happy too. You look shiny. Look, this is a job you've been waiting for. Hey man, it's it's all good. So we uh, outstanding uh, finished up our 
summer program. We're now on our dead period, uh, starting as of yesterday. So guys got a couple weeks off, and then uh, when we come back on July 29th, it's all real. It comes back so quickly too. You're on a break. You're getting uh, getting a little settled in your in your place, and all of a sudden you're back out in the field here real quickly. There you go. So uh, we're excited, but the more exciting, well, I don't want to say more exciting, but as exciting is uh, as we get going, we know uh, our lovely Rams will be getting going as well. Yeah, and starting to get a little little jazz for it, to be honest. Starting to feel it's coming. It's coming all this offseason, a long offseason after a Super Bowl loss. You can't wait to see him get, get back out there and take another shot at it, and it's just a couple weeks away. Okay, folks. We want you to know this podcast is sponsored, our episode is sponsored by Jim Hawk and his book, Hollywood's Team. Also, we are available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spreaker, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music. So check it out. We would really appreciate if you could take the time. We have a contest going to subscribe on Apple Music or anywhere else, but really Apple Music if you use it and leave a five-star review. If you If we are doing a good enough job to earn it, Great. Help us out. It'll enter you in a contest. We'll tell you how that works. Where if you give us a fuss or review, you can send us an email with a copy of your entry because sometimes your login IDs are different. And so we know who to enter. We'll also, we will read your feedback on the show. The email's at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. We really would appreciate it. And also, if you, th- if you don't think we quite deserve it, we would love to get your feedback. We want to be the best Rams podcast out there, or one of the best. We believe we are, but we want to be viewed that way. So, hey, email us at ramstop1945 at gmail.com. Let us know what we can do better. Let us know what we do well at as well, so we know to keep doing it, and you know, we would love to get your feedback no matter what. Okay, a couple notes real quick before we get into discussion. The pool party for the Rams Uncensored guys is two weeks away. Reach out to Tommy Avant on Twitter. Uh, that's Ram Tommy in LA. That's his handle. He's got a big shindig going on. I think about 40 people are coming in for that party, including one fan from Boston. Boston is flying in for this pool party. They're going to be going to camp the next day out there at, at, um, geez, it's at Irvine. And then they're also selling a t-shirt for the event. We'll also have t-shirts available there at the, at the pool party. So go check it out. It's also going to be a big way to launch off the season as a fan base. We also have a fundraiser going on for our boy Dom Samara, a member of our staff here for the, you know almost a year now. He joined our staff because he loves the Rams. He wanted to write about the Rams for a long time, and his health now has made it impossible for him to do anything. He was injured in a fire years ago. His body did not react well to that injury, and it's gotten worse and worse and worse. If you look at the actual campaign on GoFundMe, you could see the damage it's done to his body, especially with his ability to walk. You could see edemas and all kinds of just really horrible things. And uh, Folks, I, I don't really have words beyond this. Sometimes we can, if we can help somebody just live a life, Give somebody a life back. We have the power to do that. So I would encourage you to consider going on over there and just hey, just a few bucks. We're we're almost we're more than halfway to the goal, but um, we'd really appreciate your help. So there you go. News and notes, Mike. This one just came out today. We were recording on a Friday. I'm leaving town this week for a seminar, and this seminar is in New York City. So we're taking care of the podcast early, and this news just. Broke today, Mike Florio had it on ProFootballTalk.com, but it's really Andrew Beaton over there at Wall Street Journal. And what he's reporting, Mike, 
is that the NFL is pushing for 18 regular season games. This is not new. We've been seeing this push for a while now. It's kind of annoying. And the possibility would be you'd have a per-player limit of 16 games per year. So you have an 18-game schedule, but a 16-game limit that, that players can play per year. It would also reduce the preseason by two games, I believe. Uh, I I don't know how I... Well, I actually know what... Let me correct myself. I think I do know how I feel about it. But you have been there. You've done that. You've played the game. You understand how this works. What are your thoughts on an 18-game season with a per-player limit of 16 games per year? That, to me, just... It doesn't make a whole lot of sense on the surface. Uh, Why would you have 18 games, but you only could play in 16 games? So now what are you doing? You're juggling the roster. You know, are they going to increase... The roster limits, probably not. So now you got to go into a season figuring, okay, uh, Jeff, you only can play this game, that game, this game. You know, what if it's a game you need to have down the stretch, but you played your guy in the 16th game before the end of the year? You know what I mean? So it just, to me, it gets real dicey. What the league needs to come out and say, hey, we just want to make more money, so we want to add these two games in because that's what we're doing, as opposed to we're going to take away, you know, these games, add these games. I I just don't see how they get that to work, you know, if you're not going to play everybody all 18 games. You know, I have, and please, you know, tell me to shut my pie hole if I'm wrong. Because. This actually really, really bothers me in a lot of ways. We've seen over the years, and it's been a long time, it's been since the late 1970s when the NFL shifted from 14 games to 16 games in a year. But over the, you know, we've gone, they went from 10 to 12 to 14 out of 16. The way the 16-game schedule works out, it actually works out. It really does. It's, to me, it's perfect in terms of records, in, term, in terms of numbers, in terms of how, how opponents play. And I don't know why the league has to be obsessed with changing it other than games. And I, it's got to be, you know, other than money, sorry. So with an 18-game schedule, you can renegotiate your broadcasting contracts, and that's going to make sure. you a ton more money. I get that, and the league is all about making the money, but... Now you're going to be talking about moving starting the season in August. It doesn't sit well with me to go for the money grab. You already make a ton of money. If the league is really preaching hard on player safety, the 18-game schedule should never come up, period. period. Right. Never. Right. To me, it's hypocritical. And they're, they're going to throw the caveat, well, well, we're, we can, we, that's why we're throwing the 16-game limit per player. Well, here's the problem then. You're going to have to adjust rosters. You're going to have to adjust the salary cap. So that might be good for jobs, but these fans are paying the NFL, the teams, to go to a game to watch these players. And every week, depending on the matchup, there's a chance the guy you paid to see play won't play. Example. Let's go example. Let's just say this rule was in place last year, Mike. 2018 Cardinals. Horrible. What reason 
would Arizona Cardinals fans have to buy a ticket to see the Rams play if there was a really good chance Tucker wasn't playing that game? Right, right. So, again, you're talking about revenue unless that's going to be the guessing game of it all. Well, we don't know, so we better go buy the ticket or go to the game at all. I'm just thinking of little things like special teams play. If you have, you know, uh, a great special teamer, but you only can line him up 16 games. Okay, well, we really need him this game, but if we use him this game, we can't. We need to win this game nine, but you know what? I'm thinking of game 18 down the stretch. So, you know what? You're down for this game. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you're able to do it because – yeah, I would like to see the formula because if you're still going into each game, what, 53-man roster, somebody's got to be down or a couple guys have to be down each week to make it work out over the season. So I don't know how you would be able to juggle, hey, I got a great special team guy versus Andrew Whitworth. Oh, shoot, man, I forgot. We got to – I mean, how do you plan that out? That's just a whole lot of extra it is a whole lot of extra, and to me, it doesn't work on the surface because that means you're going to have to expand rosters to the point where even you need an extra kicker and punter on your on your team. Right. I mean, that's how because your kicker and punter can only play 16 out of 18 games. Right. Like, higher, you could risk taking an entire offense out of rhythm by basically making your starters sit when they don't when they shouldn't be sitting. Right. That's the whole purpose of training camp is to build your team up and build chemistry with, with what you got. And then you're going to basically have these, these teams juggling players throughout the year. I'm, I don't know if I want to watch that kind of football, A. But B, I think the goal here is to raise income. I don't think they're considering the impact, Mike, that this could, hap- this could have on the average Joe who will pay to go to a game. Because right now, I don't know about you, but... As much as I would love to be a Rams season ticket holder, if I were to live in L.A., I already can't afford it. I really can't. And B, it's actually much more comfortable to watch the game from home or go out to a sports bar or friends. So, yeah, you know, I think the idea behind the new stadiums, uh, to your point in regards to either fans being in the seats or watching at home, with the new stadiums, many of them being retractable uh, dome types, which ours will be, allows people to still somewhat be in comfort. But yeah, you, you can get a lot more watching it from your living room. So the idea of having an 18-game season where you don't know if your guy is going to be out there playing, I just don't see how they're going to be able to juggle and just the rosters because – I, it seems like what may be something, you know, like during the preseason, a lot of times, you know, some of the starters aren't really playing that much. And so I don't know if they're saying, oh, well, this is how it could work. No, because during preseason, you're not talking about you having to adjust a whole offense, defense and special teams. You're talking about selected guys who are playing limited or no reps that day. So I don't know where they got the idea that you can have an 18-game season, but as a player, you're only limited to 16. I just don't see how that works. I can't think of a player who is already a member of the team that would like this idea at all. You're too competitive, man. You're going to tell you guys missed two out of the season's 18 games? Right. 
I just don't well, see how, how do they works. put where it comes to stats. You know what I mean? Right. Are I mean, you getting? Are you recording? Like, hey man, I could have that many more stats if I got the two games in. I don't know. Like, what do you do with the statistical things and tracking all that? I mean, it'll always it'll even out because you can only play sixteen games. I just sure. overall think that it's it's just silly to me that you're this is the route you're going now. You're so desperate for eighteen games, <laughs> right? But to me, the way the season fits with you are normally starting in Labor Day. It's, to me, it's almost traditional, right around Labor Day you're starting. And you're right. ending right around New Year's and going to playoffs. It fits perfect. It's, you're kind of, if you're, if you're watching baseball for much of the year, your teams are either, are usually mostly out of the pennant race at this point, so you can start gearing over and moving to football. It's starting to gear more towards fall weather. In the 16-game schedule to me is, it's perfect. It's perfect. And at some point, you're telling the fans, we're just going to keep doing things to make more money. Well, what's next? 20 games? 22 right. games? 24 games? Because you, you just want to keep making more and more money. You're going to keep trying to find ways. How about improving the get the comfort of the game? How about improving, geez, I don't know, the fan experience overall instead of worrying about how more games? It doesn't make I don't like the idea, and I don't want to harp on too long because – Overall, that's not what we're here for. But sooner or later, I gotta think the NFL is going to realize that it just doesn't make sense, right? You gotta hope they'll, they'll realize that. Yeah, and I understand everyone's trying to, or not everyone. It looks like NFL teams and owners are trying to figure out the money situation or what have you, or let's do something new and innovative as opposed to. As you're suggesting is, well, we have a great product. We have a great game. Let's just kind of improve this part of it without trying to just come up with something that just is going to take one. If we're talking about it as just general, what would everybody else like? Okay, that doesn't make sense. Oh, it's always going to be, you know, obviously people on both sides, but I just don't see how. You're on a football team and go, cool, I get to sit out these games, but not, not those games. I mean, you're not going to be able to tell which games are going to be more important than the other. So how do you know when or to play or not play guys? I mean, I, I think it'll probably play out during the year. Well, if you all of a sudden you're 14-0 and 0 and you've got everything cleaned up and you still – yeah, you have the freedom with four games left to play around a little bit, but then you just devalue those last four games of the season. But here's my bigger thing. As a fan, wouldn't you rather be in a situation where the players are healthy, the ones that are your stars, the ones that are your starters are healthy and on the field as much as possible? Wouldn't that be more important to you? Because I'm going somewhere with this. You played during this season. There was a season... Many years ago, I think it may have even been two seasons, where they had a 16-game schedule, but yet they had two buys in the season. To me, if you really care about players' health and you want to adjust the schedule, go back to that. And I'll say why. If you have two buys, that means you're having a week 18, which means there's more games you can put on primetime or national slots. Even though you're playing the same amount of games in a year, but you have more games you can put in national slots, do that. Give the and and it also gives guys an extra week to recover. Wouldn't that make more sense? Now that makes absolutely more sense 
because you're now allowing guys, as you're saying, to get a extra week or two throughout the season, quote unquote, he'll be off, but you're still putting on the same number of games overall. Absolutely makes a lot of sense to me. But what do I know? I don't know. You get you get a week eighteen, you have an extra week of primetime games, you can put a Thursday, a Sunday night, a Monday night. It just I, I, oh my gosh, it just makes so much freaking sense. I can't believe it. I feel you know, I hold on. Pat, That's Pat. right. <laughs> One day, hopefully, you know, Mike and I can actually, you know, kind of pretty up our little studio spaces and we'll actually right, we'll do right. a full YouTube show. We can see some of the shenanigans exactly. cool off camera here. But, exactly. you know, I, I just that's how I look at. It. OK, so we don't want to make this the entire show. We have lots coming. But that was the kind of the headline that came out today. And it, it evoked enough response in me to want to, to talk with you guys about it. And, of course, ask Mike because he's, you know, the former player and all. But we also have this positional preview we want to do. And this today's kind of big is the Rams running backs are currently six on the roster. Those six running backs are, to me, all talented across the board. Even our, our young bucks there came in. There's an undrafted free agent, Matt Colburn. Here they are, Todd Gurley, Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, John Kelly, Justin Davis, and Matt Colburn. I honestly believe right now, Three of those guys could probably start in the NFL. Gurley, Brown, and Henderson off the bat with the potential of Kelly developing into one and maybe even Davis, but really Kelly. Overall, how do you feel about this position heading in the training camp? I feel absolutely great in what we have behind Gurley. As we've suggested early on, uh, if things aren't up to par with him physically or if he's going to be on a a pitch count, if you will, uh, so many carries per game, so many, it's whatever it may be. Uh, we have some guys who can absolutely get in there and do what's necessary to make sure this offense stays potent. Going down individually, what we want to do here is you want to look at each running back, ask a couple questions about them, and then decide, well, A, who do you think makes a team? Who goes on practice squad? Remember, the practice squad, you have 10 players. How many Rams running backs will actually make the team out of those six? That's what we want to kind of figure out. And then we want to kind of look at the roles here. Now, Todd Gurley, he's our guy. And, and there's been a lot of talk about him throughout the offseason. But he's coming out and saying now he's fine. He's not going to change his running style. None of that. How confident in, in, how confident in Todd Gurley right now are you that he'll be just fine come 2019? As you just said, just fine is relative to what? Just fine compared to last year. Just fine compared to it's just the off season. Yeah, it's it's hard to really say until we see him running around in camp. And if we see that, okay, he's not even really practicing. Oh, he's not even playing in the preseason. Okay, there's a little bit more going on than what meets the eye, if you will. So relative to fine. Yeah, you can shoot me videos that you're working out and doing that. Yeah, offseason, you should be doing that. But it telltale sign will be once we get to camp and we see how many carries he's getting or not carrying, how many games he's actually playing in, and then we'll know early on in the season if we see a lot of the rotations going on. But uh, hopefully 
with the offseason, yes, whatever was going on, you get a chance to strengthen the other areas and somewhat time off to rest. You'll be ready to go and be, quote unquote, just fine. Just fine to me is him being able to play a full 16 game schedule. I think that's how I want to lay it out there. I think when you have Daryl Henderson, the roster and Malcolm Brown, the roster, even John Kelly, if all those guys are on the roster, I don't see how you really need to make Todd go the entire workhorse of the offense anymore. To me, there's diversity there. And when we've had seen this offense for the Rams where Sean McVay likes deception, there's all kinds of deception possibilities when you have multiple capable running backs. So why do you need to run everything through him? You want him healthy. You want him fresh. You want him going as fast as he can, as long as he can. Why anymore? No, absolutely. Well, that would be the reason why. And that's why I say we're going to be, I feel we'll be fine at the running back position because you have not just quality backs up, backups. You have extra well and versified, diversified, if you will, uh, guys who can do different things, but absolutely take some reps off of Todd's knee, leg, what have you, just wear and tear over the season because uh, it's pretty well known that uh, the running back position, you're going to take some some hits. Again, you know, a guy like Barry Sanders, not so much because he was just elusive, hard to tackle. But when you have to be a guy who has to get in there between those tackles, you're going to take a certain amount of hits. And so definitely that'll relieve a lot of those extras. There are some questions, though. Malcolm Brown, next guy here on the depth chart to me. He is a guy I've long believed could be a star in the NFL. I think in the first Saints game last year, we saw always capable of and some really nice plays that he made. But he's injured a lot. And I guess right now I'd like to know what kind of role do you think he'd play on the team, not just this year, but maybe even next year? Yeah, again, you have a guy who seems uh, somewhat proven, uh, but that's the thing, and maybe that's why you have an extra number of running backs that seem that are on the roster right now. My mind says that they'll end up keeping four, and maybe one of the young guys ends up being maybe a practice squad guy. Uh, but I don't see them keeping six active on the roster because, again, you're now talking overall numbers. But obviously, you know, Malcolm has done a good job, and as you said, you know, a lot of teams he could be pushing for that starting role proven but in this game it's what have you done for me lately so the guy who's able to play that's the guy who's done something for you lately so here's the the x factor you've mentioned him a little bit in previous podcasts and i think it's pretty clear you both like him daryl henderson third round pick um arguably from many experts the best running back available in the draft at least for some what's your take on him so with Big Daryl Henderson, uh, DH, I call him. I, I think that uh, he's one of these gems that that we're going to say this was a great pick for us. I just got this feeling that uh, if something that slips up with Ty Gurley, Daryl Henderson's going to be able to with his explosiveness to go in there and just uh, you know make it hard for you know Big Todd to possibly you know get his spot back, but. Uh, hopefully Todd is doing well, but uh, Daryl Henderson is going to be a force to be reckoned with, uh, I think, in the near uh, or foreseeable future. 
Well, I mean, there's a reason why he dropped all the way to the third round. I mean, if you put Todd on talent, I think Todd probably has it. But in terms of what the Rams need offensively, Daryl has it as well. I just look at this and go, Norm, when he was on our show, pointing this out, he thinks that this guy, Daryl, will be the next, will, will be our Alvin Kamara. And maybe he's right. If he is, then outstanding. Great. Because... Offenses, I mean, sorry, defense are going to have a major problem top of the Rams, even more than they do now. Well, no doubt. But, you know, remember, you know, back in my heyday, I was a projected third, fourth round pick and was ended up being eighth round pick, possibly because of the baseball thing I was doing. So that's what I love about the NFL draft. We see these first round, second round, third rounds, guys who are free agents. The thing is, it almost I don't want to say it doesn't matter. There are certain guys who have been first rounders and have just come in and been stellar. There's been other guys who've been first rounder rounders, not so stellar. Then there's guys who free agent off the street, get a second chance, Kurt Warner and Hall of Famer. So I just look at a guy just with the overall attributes from the running back position to be very effective at the NFL level. So next is John Kelly, and he's a guy that had a little bit of buzz last year, especially in the preseason because he performed really well. He was actually very good in the preseason. Didn't see much of him for the rest of the season. Did have a couple carries here and there. How do you feel about John Kelly entering this year? Well, the thing with John Kelly, he gives you some some help on special teams. So when you look at you're coming down to the final, should this guy or that guy, a guy who helps you on special team gets a little bit of a leg up. So that's where, and again, he's a guy who's been in the system, so on and so forth, but he's now entering, I believe, his third season. So typically at this stage of the game, they're looking for a lot of improvement in regards to whatever it is. Maybe it's his route running out of the backfield. Maybe it's his blitz pickups. Maybe it's uh, being able to feel like they can give it to him 15, 20 times a game, if need be, you know, so that's where they have a lot of insight on a player who's already been on the roster, but they're looking at the third year guy for leaps and bounds, like you're not making mistakes that you made in year two, and then now you're really making bona fide plays where they're going like, wow, we may have to really consider getting him in the game plan more, so that's where hopefully his experience with the team, experiences in the league, you now know what camp is, you know what the season's going to be like, you played a number of the teams you're going to play. So you have all that as experience, but you still want to be improving, not like, okay, this is not where you just stay level. So he's got to look to continue to improve in all those areas. So next is Justin Davis, former USC running back. He's had, you know, Bit of a cup of coffee here at the Rams. He's been the roster for a while, but a couple carries. Thoughts with him? Yeah, so here's another guy that, you know, you get some local, if you will, love. But again, these guys, when you're battling for that, whether it's the fourth spot, maybe the third, which probably isn't with, with the other two above, but you have to now what are you doing more than the other guy? So when you look at probably him and Colburn and Kelly, they're all going to be battling in there probably for that fourth position. 
And then how do you differentiate and set yourself apart? Thing with Justin, you know, he has great size. You know, he's six foot one. So not that big overall as far as weight. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what steps he's taken to move up the, the food chain, if you will. And then last is rookie Matt Colburn, who has never happened before. He actually sung on our podcast here a bit ago. It was a really funny interview with him. Got a lot of character. And he had some very interesting performances at Wake Forest that makes you think he could potentially make it in the NFL. What are your thoughts on the rookie? Well, definitely. You know, a guy like that, they're looking to get in. And again, if I'm coming in and you're seeing all the backs already on the roster, you have to have uh, a mindset, not that you can't make it, but you have to actually now look at the numbers game. So how does he come out who some would say, okay, Wake Forest, they play some guys, but maybe not so many. Uh, but he's looking to probably show what he can do and probably land with another team. Or he could be a guy that, you know, being a rookie, he could be that that practice guy that could uh, eventually still stay with the Rams through that, that mode. And then depending on how things play out with some of the other guys, next year free agency and those types of things you now are in the system for a year and and you get your crack maybe next year but he may be a guy that is looking to show what he can do and uh get picked up by another squad see and i think a little bit differently and the reason why is this given the concerns around Todd Gurley, even with malcolm brown getting hurt last year i think it's very rare that you see a position get two for the practice squad i think it could happen with the wide receivers, and it could happen with the running backs. And with that in mind, I'm going to make the call. I think you know, obviously Todd and Malcolm and Daryl all make the team. John Kelly makes the team as a fourth running back. I think you're going to see both Justin Davis and Matt Coburn on the the practice squad. Is, is wait, hold on. Well, I may have made a mistake here. Is Justin Davis eligible? Let me check real quick to make sure. Yeah, so we, we kind of Davis might not be eligible, right? So there goes you know does Justin Davis get released and does the young gun Colburn end up on the practice squad? Okay, so because- I just re-verified Mike. He is eligible, so I'm going to go four and six. I'm going to go four and two. I'm going to go all six running backs make the team one way or the other. Four making the roster and two go to the practice squad. That's my call. Yeah. Now, that's not beyond imagination. But again, when you're talking now overall numbers, then these are the kind of things that, you know, uh, Mr. Sneed and the rest of uh, Coach McVay and staff, those are the things they're sitting at looking at big picture. You know, who can help us? Who's going to be practice squad? You know, who off those practice squad could actually clear waivers that we could bring them up? you know, on our rosters, because, you know, guys can get signed off the practice squad as well. So, uh, but that's a way to hide a kid, if you will, and knowing he has the goods to to be a great running back year two, year three. And, I, you know, I get all that, and I'm, I'm also coming from that direction, too. I think long-term with Rams, if they have serious concerns with the health of their backs, which I think they would have to, their top two backs have had injury problems, and the running back position is very important on this Rams roster. That's why I would say, hey, they're probably going to carry two backs on the practice squad. That's the only reason why I'd say it. 
Right. So that's again, but you're still talking numbers. You know, is it a place to we use practice squad as a place to sign a guy, release a guy, you know, sign a guy, release a guy, bring a guy to the active roster. That's where it truly becomes a numbers game in regards to who those guys are actually on the practice squad. I get you. So, Mick, you make your call then. How do you think this goes out overall? Well, like I say, I, I, I think that you got the three, you know, Todd, Daryl, uh, Malcolm Brown, you know, and then John Kelly is the four backs. And then my call is one of the others, uh, Colburn or Davis, I'm calling maybe one ends up on practice squad. I'm going to, and I think, I think Davis would get the edge. If you're going to take one, he probably has the edge, has a little bit of experience, and he's also the hometown boy. So he probably, they probably lean that way if they're thinking kind of a wide range. I would say this, though, looking at some film on Colburn, if cultivated, I think at this point he might have a higher upside than Davis. Well, that's what I mean. So that's why you may go with the young guy because you, at this point in time, you definitely know what Davis brings to the table. Mm -hmm. So you're only going to see, hey, does this Colburn have, as you're saying, more of an upside? They're probably going to take the younger guy because – you got to look at Davis now being into, he'll be going into his fourth year. So now you're talking about the vesting and all those kinds of things. You just never know how stuff comes down to it when it comes down to the money aspect of things. And so uh, Coburn, and when you look at kind of the sizes, you know, he's more along the Malcolm Brown. He's the 5'10", 200. You know, Malcolm Brown is 5'11", 222. Uh, Justin is more, a little bit taller, uh, more him and Todd Gurley, same height, but he's given up, you know, 20 pounds to a Todd Gurley. Then you look at Daryl Henderson and John Kelly, you know, again, they're more 5'10", 5'8", you know, 205, 208 type back. So it seems like they like that smaller bowling ballish type of back for certain things that they want to do. The thing to Daryl Henderson, though, he gives you a lot of speed. So it's just a lot of kind of ifs and ands in regards to uh, don't know how how fast overall Colburn is. But as you stated, he did some great things at Wake Forest. But, you know, everybody always talks about competition and those types of things. So, you know, all these things make it interesting when it comes down to who's going to actually be on the team. It is interesting to watch the young man trying to upstage the the kind of sort of veteran who's been there and really hasn't established himself yet. Be interesting to see how that shakes out. I'm looking forward to that battle overall. I'm looking to see how overall the Rams use these running backs in the preseason to see what they think of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Because you would you would think you're probably not going to see Gurley at all. Except maybe, you know, home game for the fans. He goes in for the first series, and that's probably going to be it. Malcolm Brown, we know what he could do. You may see him a little bit more in a true traditional starting running back preseason. You know, you play a quarter here and there, uh, and you may see him in that role, which should give the other guys a ton of opportunity for all of us to see, you know, what they can do and what they're made of. But that goes back to the question, too. Considering the challenge that the Rams face in week one, 
it may be worth it for the team to go back and play some starters here and there in the preseason because this is not Oakland from last year. The Carolina's tougher. And they're going they have a front seven that's going to be ready to hit them. So they may need to get more reps in game for that starting lineup. Well, no doubt. I mean, it was it was pretty interesting again, now I date myself. In my day, you pretty much didn't see you know, you saw the starters, it was like a quarter first game, maybe quarter and a half second game. Uh, third game, you may see them play into the third quarter. Fourth game, they're making all the last cuts, so you might only see them back again the first quarter. So that's where the younger guys, but it's it's different now where you're seeing the opposite, where you may see them a little early on and not really late going into the season. But absolutely to your point, as we saw uh, when we kind of went on a little skid, when you are trying to play it a little bit too conservative, the timing is not correct. So that's that's going to be where the coach has got to make a, a good call on, you know, is our timing able to sustain nobody playing in the last preseason game? Well, let's see. Um, I am stoked for I'm stoked for camp, man. I'm excited for camp. I want to see several things. We haven't even gotten to the defensive line yet. And there's going to be a lot for us to talk about there. A lot right. to talk about in the offensive line with these lot of changes. We're not even there yet. We're, we aren't even there yet. All right. So, folks, a word about our sponsor. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams history with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood team. Grit, glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story. The 1950s Rams, the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Rebound plays like Norm Van Brocklin, Elway, Craigslist Hurst, Tom Fierce, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawks book online at hollowsteam.com and on Twitter at hollowsteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Oh, and the paperback comes out this September 6th. Folks, it's a great read. I've been We've been talking about this sponsor now, this book, for over a year. We had Jim on the show. We talked about his book. It's well worth the time. He's a good guy who's doing some great things. And also, don't forget that the proceeds go to Homeboy Industries, which is a, an organization that provides care and help for people who are trying to get out of the gang life and make it back into society and become working members of it. So, there you go. Check it out. Always seeing grit, glamour, in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's well worth your time. Okay, last segment of the day for us, the tour in the league. Wes Coleman from Saints BS and Beer joined us to give us a look at the Saints, but also we talked a little bit about that elephant in the room, the NFC Championship game. Here it is, Wes Coleman from Saints BS and Beer. Check it out. All right, folks, I'm here with Wesley Coleman from the Saints BS and Beer Podcast. I usually have David on the show, but David decided to give me the shoehorn out. He's still mad at me, I think. So, Wesley, thanks for stepping in. How you doing? Uh, you're welcome. Um, pleasure to be here. Yeah, Dave's uh, still recovering, I believe. <laughs> well, we get, to, we get to feel recovering from our loss, and there's only one winner every year, so we kind of have to find a way to get over it. Um, but, hey, let's get this white elephant out of the way now. I mean, it's not. A, it's never easy to talk about, it, especially when now we get two guys from those two teams on one show. So months later, how do you evaluate the 2018 Saints as a whole? 
and now, and especially since you were there, how do you process that AFC Championship game? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, obviously, hopefully, a learning experience. I mean, the year before we had a, a you know, a pretty terrible end to our season as well. Um, I don't know if it's harder when you can. I think I think it might be harder when you can't blame somebody on your team. At least the the game ended in uh, Minnesota. It was it was our fault. It was a player made a bad play, terrible you know attempt at a tackle. Uh, this year we've got a step further. Um, I, I think that. Um, you know, it's, you find solace in a lot of Saints players believe that, uh, or Saints fans believe that we would have won the Super Bowl had it not been for that. Um, think that we would have probably had a good chance of that. So, I mean, you kind of find solace in that, but but you never know. Like you said, there's one winner every year, and it, it wasn't us, but I believe that we've got a very talented team, and our roster's better now than it was during that game. And in our side, I can actually think months later, I look at that game, and it's to me, it's a storybook. A lot of things happened that game. I don't think the officiating overall in that game was very good. Agreed. I mean, there were some calls that should have been called both ways that weren't. There was a call, um, a face mask on Jerry Goff that wasn't called in the goal line. That could change how the course of the game goes. And there's that pass interference call. And you really wish that never – you just wish that didn't happen in a game, period. An outcome of a football game of that magnitude should never, ever, ever have an effect on who's going to the Super Bowl. And yet it did. And so I feel bad about that. I also look at that. I remember back years ago, 2001, and that was the worst year I'd seen in officiating. And this year, 2018, pretty well as close to it, I think. I think most of us agreed this year started off with the first few weeks of us having some bad officiating. It kind of started. And then later in the year, it, it kind of went away to where it wasn't a huge topic of conversation. And then, of course, we, we ended with that as a big topic yeah. of conversation, not only in the NFC, but then also in the AFC. There was a, the AFC championship game. There was a lot of that, too. So, I mean, it's not what you want as a football fan. Um, I, I honestly said that if we had won that game, I wouldn't have. I mean, I would have been happy the Saints were going to the Super Bowl. But for three or four days, I wouldn't have been celebrating. I would have been like, hey, like, just, let's just be happy we're going to the Super Bowl. I'm going to be quiet a little bit. I, would, I, would, I don't know about a felt like we didn't earn it, but I would have been. I wouldn't have been as boisterous I would have. We would have like, crushed a team to make it. You know what I mean? Are you referring to how you felt the Rams reacted? No, no, not at all. I was just saying I was trying to put myself and mm-hmm. No, I didn't, I didn't feel that, that most Rams fans acted that way at all. So I wasn't trying to say that. I was saying if we had been on the, the winning team of that, a call yeah. like that, I would have been like, oh, man, that's not the way I wanted to win either. And I'm, I'm sure that's not the way you wanted to have a controversial kind of win either. That's I mean, when everybody's kind of talking like that, that's not what anybody wants as a football fan wants well, to be talked not. about. Yeah, I mean, because of the way that game was over, the way that game ended, our entire season last year faces some sort of judgment because Absolutely. no one no one remembers the fact that they had a great season, the Rams did. They remember that play of that game. And then, of course, we dropped the ball in the Super Bowl. You know, hey, But even the Super Bowl... The NFL comes out later on and admits they botched a pass interference call. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so, oh, Lord, that is what it is. But, hey, a couple years ago, you know, speaking of the Saints and, and now Drew Brees, a couple years ago, another Saints analyst told me he believed that Drew Brees was starting to show his age more, especially in his past, is becoming more, quote-unquote, interceptable. Now, given how the offense slowed down a little more late in the year, and it did, are you mm-hmm. seeing – age wear on Brees more or was the offensive slowdown more about the grind of the year or was it something else yeah I mean that that's the question is um we've seen some older quarterbacks hit a wall and I mean Drew Brees I mean for three quarters of a season was right there in the MVP vote back and forth with Patrick Mahomes and then at the same time as we started having some offensive line 
injuries and some I mean even some guys were not missing games but were clearly hurt and missing a lot of practice Drew Brees also started struggling now I don't know like it's I mean was Drew Brees hitting that you know that 40 year old wall and kind of slowing down or was it based on I mean he's always had to have a strong offensive line I mean with being being shorter and um, being a timing quarterback like that so I mean this season's going to answer that question I mean we we don't have it's not a three or four game run that we have to uh, look at I mean we got 16 games and hopefully some playoffs so we're going to know pretty quick how Drew Brees is doing, and then as the season wears on, we got to see if the offensive line's healthy and he kind of starts going that way again. Do we need to focus on the run to keep the ball out of his hand earlier in the season more and to not have that pressure on him, or, or what are we going to do? And you guys have the NFC West this year, too. The NFC West is much improved overall. The Seahawks are, are, are better. The 49ers are much better. Uh, I won't talk about the Cardinals because, dear <laughs> Lord. But three out of the four teams there are going to challenge you some, too, as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how that that rolls out as well. Agreed. Um, I do want to ask a little more about Drew Brees, because I, I was stunned last year when they didn't go get a quarterback. I, I thought once Lamar Jackson fell, that might be their guy, and then they made some moves for Marcus Davenport, and now you have you, know, you have Teddy there at Bridgewater. Where are, the, are they going in terms of playing for the future when it comes to Drew Brees? Yeah, I'm... <laughs> It's really tough to say. Now, obviously, with salary cap, with the fact of what Drew Brees is going to make next this coming season, and then what we already have on the books for the following season, I think that um, their hope is is that Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill are both going to continue to develop their football smarts and improve some accuracy and at least be in the competition for the quarterback of the future. I don't think either one of them is dubbed and has the title and is being handed the reins i don't believe that at all i think some saints fans are kind of unrealistic of hoping that's the case and i hope it's the case but to try to say that um our, our front office or sean payton are uh, putting everything onto those two guys i think is just asinine um i believe that they are going to be a part of it i said i think they're going to they're going to push some sort of quarterback and there's going to be able to do something in a, in a role here I, I hope that they work out and one of them becomes a the quarterback of the future but and I think that the team probably hopes that as well. How do you evaluate the team's offseason moves overall, especially in free agency? What were their best moves? What were their most questionable decisions? How do you rank it in terms of what they did? So I think that the astounding thing that happened is getting the Jared Cook signing. Um, I believe that the way our offense is set up, that actually given us a bona fide another weapon. Is, last year, we had an extremely, when you look back at the season as far as the numbers we put up, and the, the way we scored points, we had an extremely successful season on offense with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara as the only two people that really were consistent or mattered at all. We had some, some young receivers dropping balls and not getting open and have one good game for the whole season. And teams really struggled with, you had to double Michael Thomas and you had to put a cornerback on Alvin Kamara. You could not put a linebacker on him. If you put a linebacker on him, he torched you. Mm-hmm. Well, they struggled with that of how to guard either one of them, but especially both. Putting Jared Cook in there, who has the speed and size, that you also can't put a linebacker on him. Cornerbacks kind of struggle with him on to, him too. So I think people are going to have some matchup problems with, I mean, just those three. And if any of those other receivers we have can even just uh, take any kind of tiny step and be a basic 650 yards in the season receiver with you know four or five, six touchdowns, I think that our offense can be pretty impressive. The Jared Cook signing is the huge go-getter. Like I, I 
I, that was my number one wish by far for the offseason. Uh, I'm really happy we signed him. That surprises me because Jared Cook drove us nuts, man. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> He, the guy had, well, I mean, he had he has all the physical tools to not just sure. be a good tight end, but to be a Pro Bowl tight end. And he just never seems to get his head out of his you-know-where. Yeah, of course. He will frustrate you because he yes. will turn in great games. As a matter of fact, he had a great game against the Rams in week one last year. And then right. he'll disappear. He'll drop passes that are easy passes. But the guy can fly. He will drive you nuts. But he can make plays. I mean, I hope with he's going to play, whether Drew Brees on the backside of his career or not, he's going to now play this season with a far more talented quarterback than he's ever played with before. Um, and I think he's going to play with you know a better offensive mind that can design stuff to keep getting open. I, I hope that he's able to wrap his head around that and understand the opportunity. I really like, we signed him a two, a, to a two-year deal that's really a one-year deal mm-hmm. that we can get out of. So he's got a lot of incentive to pay attention and to be um, successful this year because he saw the market for him was basically two teams this year. And I think he was surprised by that. This is his year that... Over this year and next year, we decide to keep him next year. This is his chance to get one last two or three year big payday, um, and I, I hope he, he really grasps it and it helps helps us and him out. Well, how do you feel about the draft? Too? Did the Saints adequately meet some of their needs in the draft? What were their best and worst picks? Yeah, so I mean, it's the, the Saints as a as a Saints fan, you'll always uh, have to understand that they are going to draft the best player available. They and we all get wrapped up into it. Of uh, and, you know, and of course they're going to trade up. They're going to stick to their board no matter what it is, and it doesn't matter what position it is. That if they see a player who they rank high on the board that is falling, they're going to move and get them no matter what it costs this year or next year. So I mean, for us who last year you know had a, had a weird draft, but and we thought we had we drafted some good players. We drafted a bunch of players who are on other teams now. We didn't have room for the draft the players we had such a talented deep roster already we drafted you know a couple of guys who i would love to have on our team as young players but we just didn't have a spot for them um i think this year we were limited again we're limited on the amount of spots that are available to players so if we're going to draft five players and four of them are going to make the team as you know as, whether it's a special teams player i'd rather have a great special team starter than a third string defensive lineman um, and, and I think the Saints subscribe to that as well. So all together now, where do the Saints rank now in the NFC South? I'm pretty sure I know the answer to that, but let's put it out there in vocal form. And how many wins do you see in that schedule? Yeah, so the NFC South, I think, is going to have where it, you know, it kind of gets in that discussion of being one of the more talented divisions of football. I think it's going to have an extreme down year this year besides the Saints. I think Atlanta... I think we've got the only team with a quarterback. Um, I think that where what they're play, paying Matt Ryan in Atlanta, he has not shown to be worth that at all. He's really struggled. Um, I don't the Julio Jones thing where he's scoring just minimal touchdowns the last couple of years. I think that they're going to have some trouble, and they really had some problems on defense last year in their offensive line. I, I, and I don't think they fixed their offensive line problems in their draft. I think Atlanta's in for a bad season. Carolina doesn't have a quarterback this year. I mean, they're they're start they're going to start. Some guy who has one start probably is what it looks like. There's rumors of Cam Newton still rehabbing his shoulder and having lots of problems. So no telling what's going to happen there. I'm not scared of Cam Newton anyway. But I, the way he looked last season, the last four year, last four games of the season, I mean, he wasn't able to throw a ball much over 45 yards where he normally has a huge arm. I think that he's got 
I'll be surprised if he makes it out of the preseason without finally coming out what's going on with his shoulder because it's weird that he didn't have surgery. And then, I mean, Jameis Winston is, I mean, he got benched by, got replaced a couple of times last year by Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, yeah, what what are you going to say? But, I mean, if there's something there, Bruce Arians has been successful his last two stops. I think he'll make that team better in Tampa Bay. But I, I, I like Bruce Arians, and I don't understand the Byron Leftwich hire at all. Um, he What he did in Arizona last year, and I realize those, Arizona's got a lot of problems, but I didn't see Byron Leftwich doing anything that was helping the situation. It was, it was just a weird hire to me. I don't know. I mean, and, and again, could be proven wrong by the, the young guy, but the young coach. But I mean, that was I'm a weird. I like Bruce Arians. I was Byron Leftwich. I look at, well, I mean, I can tell you the, the Cardinals staff as a whole last year, not just one guy. Oh, my gosh. Sure, Remember the worst sure. head coaching staff room. I've ever seen assemble. It's worse than the Fisher coaching staff this last year. Dear right. gosh. Uh, my point is the Bucks do have some talent. They just haven't Absolutely. been it together. It just blows my mind. How long is it going to take you to fix your franchise? And I also want you talking about Matt Ryan not living up this deal. But every once in a while, Matt Ryan pulls out a year. You're thinking, well, where, where's this been? Where's this been? Sure. Sure. So that's what I'm thinking about with him as well. I, I, but hey, the Falcons went seven and nine, the Panthers went seven and nine, the Bucks I've I've what five and eleven something like that. Yeah. I mean, that is not a good division. But no, my concern for you is that division's bad again. Does that concern you in terms of facing the competition you need to face to have an edge in the in the postseason? Um, the only reason I'd say no is because, like you said, with facing the the. The the, uh, the outer division opponents we do this year, we're going to be playing some playoff teams. Um, and again, I understand what you're saying, but also there there is always been the NFL rule of any given Sunday. Like every game is competitive. There's very few blowouts in the NFL. I mean, it, it, we see it all the time of the team that's you know ranked number one looks like they're going to win the Super Bowl versus the team that looks like they might have the number one draft pick, and they just have a dogfight of a game when one team has nothing to play for and the other team is trying to sew up home field advantage. I mean. They're all talented players. This is, isn't like the college game where you've got the number 198th ranked team versus somebody. So, so I believe that every game keeps you sharp. On the other side of that, if there becomes an opportunity to rest Drew Brees in the fourth quarter of some games, it helps that earlier conversation we had early, too. I don't think anybody cares about him chasing any numbers this year. and Let's keep him in the game. Now, I know Drew Brees likes his snaps, and he really likes to get all the snaps and he just as a, as a competitor. But this might be the season that it makes sense if we are up by three touchdowns in a game, or you know, eighteen points late in the game. Let's let's see what Teddy Bridgewater has. Let's see what Taysom Hill has. Uh, let's do that and let's get Breeze some some rest. I I think that would help us more than the competition aspect would hurt us. All right. So where can people find you and your podcast on social media? So the BS and Beer podcast is um, uh, available on I- iTunes, all the different uh, places that you can download uh, all of those. I am on Twitter at hoodatwesley13. Um, we're all uh, kind of linked together with the, the podcast and all, um, so you can uh, pretty much easily find us all connected when we're tweeting together. We give each other some, some ribbing and all on there. All right, dude, thanks so much for taking the time. It was really fun to talk with you and have no more white elephants in the room. <laughs> and... For the record, for the record, I want to say this. You know, you mentioned any given Sunday. When you put those rosters, the Rams roster, the Saints roster, the Patriots roster, I look at our two teams, and I believe those two teams are the better talented teams. Agreed. So when I look at that, I just think you, sometimes talent doesn't always win. The Patriots came out there and 
you, you just saw the, the look on my face. They just did what they did. And so sometimes talent doesn't always carry. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, any given Sunday. Well, good luck. I hope that we both keep uh, healthy teams this season. I think that we'll probably have two good games against each other this year. We'll see you in week two. Sounds good. Take it easy. Good night. Thank you. All right. Uh, Hey, Mike, week two, the Saints are back. I'm not sure how you feel about that matchup again, but it's at home this time, and the Saints are going to be looking for some vengeance. I don't know how you feel about this one. Or I'm guessing I would think you'd try and be there, wouldn't you? You going to be there? <laughs> I'll probably be breaking down film, but yeah, if there's a game I'm going to try to get to this year, it would be that one because there's no doubt the Saints are going to come in and try to let everyone in the football world know that, no, fluke last year were the true Super Bowl champs. I'm, I'm looking at this... And thinking, wow, I cannot wait for this matchup. I kind of wish they were playing opening game at home. But, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, and, and by the way, Wesley did a great job in terms of talking about the game. He, was, he wasn't antagonistic at all. So props to him for, for his professionalism. We've had a very, very, uh, well, shall I say hardcore discourse with Saints fans ever since the NFC Championship game. It has been ugly at times and not friendly for a fan base we used to get along with pretty well. So hopefully we can get back to that and hopefully the uh, these two teams can put on a show in week two of next season. Okay, folks, it is time for us to go. In, we are looking for sponsors. We always are. Reach out to us at ramstop1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We've got a mini kit ready to get out to you. It's a great opportunity for folks to jump in now before our listenership goes back up again. Always, it's like, cool, just like the football season, we have a pretty good listenership now. that took us all year. And then come season starting, we jump. So if you want it on the rates that are now, jump on board and we would love to work with you. We, and we could always use a sponsor. We want to keep the lights on here. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Talk Rams, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. We also have a room, Rams Talk Room, the group. That's a little bit more talkative because the algorithms there for Facebook aren't all messed up. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. Michael Stewart wearing his Bakersfield cap at 1Duke23. Don't forget us on Apple iTunes, Apple Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all those places. And of course, iebeatradio.com. They play our shows on Wednesdays and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So, for Mike and the entire Rams Talk team, this is Derek C. Paul saying, take it easy. We are out of here. We're out. (laughs) I was waiting for you to say that. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Whether you're moving in together for the first time, this can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. 
They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.